Today, you are going to get a front row seat to the incredible Springbok career of Tox van der Linde. Tox, welcome to Front Row Rugby. Yeah, hello, Peter. Very nice talking to you. Tox, before we begin our conversation, let's take a look at this week's trivia question. In 2004, Nike was replaced as the Springbok's jersey manufacturer. Who was the team's new kit supplier? Now, if you know the answer to the question, you can put it in the comment section down below. But we'll also find out if Tox knows the answer, but we'll do that at the end of the conversation. Tox, the very first question I have for you. How did Albert become Tox? My brother gave me a, a name called Albert Toxi. And I was so small, and uh, he used to go out with a girl who I... You know, I said to him, yes, this girl is not the most prettiest girl. And obviously, that is not the right thing to say. And then he started, he, you know, he started with me and uh, and my lovely brother. He, you know, he, uh, he uh, started teasing me and he started calling me. And, and I must understand, and I hope it's people in English and Afrikaans will understand it. He called me Albert Toxi <laughs> Dengeki Skat. Yeah, and uh, and he, that's how it sticked. So it was Albert Toxi. So it's primary school, and then before primary school, it uh, called me Toxie, and then they felt Toxie is a bit, bit uh, you know, too small, and they started talk, calling me Tox, and that's precisely how it happened. You know? So it's nothing to do with boots or, or whatever with Tox, what the guys are playing with, and that. That's precisely what he, what he, what he, how it started and, and how he called it, you know. Sounds very good to me. So, Tox, you made your Springbok debut in 1995, but just before that, approximately six months, it was the Rugby World Cup in South Africa. How disappointed were you to miss out on selection for that? Yeah, I, I mean, I had a serious neck injury, actually, in 94. So I was operating in April. And, uh, and then I said, give me a 23 years of age, you won't be able to play again. And uh, that was quite a, quite, how can I say, quite a uh, uh, disappointment for me. It was uh, never, never set back to, 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 to get back at. And then, obviously... Um, you know, in, in February, I spoke to Kitch, and Kitch said to me, I started playing, but I, was, I wasn't 100%, you know. And then, obviously, it was three months down the line, they picked the uh, World Cup. And I was lucky. I made that side after the World Cup. So, I played in that World Cup side against Italy and England at the end of the year tour. And uh, it was phenomenal to play in that side and just to play in some in a side to... They just can't lose. They couldn't lose. They were just unbelievable. Uh, the captain was brilliant. Uh, the coach was outstanding. Keats was probably the best coach I've ever played under. I mean, he's the only coach with that 100% success ratio against every single nation in the world, you know, and 14 wins, uh, 14, uh, wins in a row, you know. So he was a phenomenal, phenomenal coach. It was a phenomenal team. And yeah, at, at, at least I, at the end, I got to play in that wonderful side and, uh, and the best was to beat England at the opening of Twickenham Stadium in 1995 with 80,000 people at the stadium. It was something special, actually getting goose fresh as I'm sitting here with you now. We're going to talk about that England match in a moment. But the week before that, we were in Italy to play the Italians in Rome. That was your test debut. Talk to me about how special that occasion was. Massive. People still laughing about me. I don't think much people know this. Is um, I remember I was so I was I was dreaming to become a Springbok. I always wanted to become. You know, I come from a small town in Senegal. It's a small town, two hundred fifty people in the school. Um, I don't think a lot of people know about Senegal, but I mean it's it's, it's close to Bloemfontein. So I made I finished my trick year there, and uh, and, and 
you know, Leowen gave you a chance actually to become what you became. And um, yeah, it was just uh, still today. Cooper's laughing at me. I remember getting my jersey and my socks and my my pants, and that night I slept in it. Can you believe it? I slept in my pants, my jersey, and my socks. I was that's how proud I was to become a Springbok, and that is special. We had a very tough match against Italy. I mean, we only won 40-21. And I remember then a wonderful man who's a joiner for England, my cat, wrote on a Sunday morning paper that uh, South African World Cup squad is average. And I think he should have never done that. But, uh, you know, you never do that to a swimwalk side because then they're on the most dangerous. And as you mentioned, it was a memorable win over the English at Twickenham. Perhaps it might have been the best performance that we actually saw from the Springboks under Kitch Christie. How do you remember that fixture? It was unbelievable, Peter. It was unreal. Kubis still got me and Tommy, you know, getting, you know, was telling us that the English were putting our parents in the, in the concentration camps. You know, people were... You know, these guys were, were, were rude to us. So they got us really going. You know, they were really... I remember running out of Twickenham. It was actually special. Running out of Twickenham was one of those things that you see with a lot of people. I just say, let's kill them, you know. And I just ran past Francois and ran about to the end of the other side and ran back to get to my position. I remember those days you could still ruck. And I remember my cat first kicked to him. He... Um, he uh, made a bundle of, of a kick and I said to Kubis, look who's on the ground. And we went this full blow onto him and he just said, can you guys stop? I said, well, tell us now who's average. Are you average or are we average? You know, And that was phenomenal. So you agree with you. That was one of the best test matches we ever played. I mean, uh, Jim Fleming was the ref. He denied two tries. I was probably been the biggest score we've ever beat England in. But that was a great side to play in. Uh, I remember also one thing that a lot of people will forget is that uh, James Small was dropped for Jack Willifield. That was a, quite a bit of a debacle in the side. But at the end, it was fantastic to uh, to just play there, beat them, lie in the balls in the, in the change room, drinking the beers, just having a wonderful year. South Africa ever would have had in '95. I mean, Springboks had a phenomenal year. In 95, and that was just uh, the end of a wonderful career of Kitch Christie. It was a wonderful year indeed, and a very special time for South Africa and South African rugby. Talks, you were mentioning Kitch Christie there, and you touched on having a couple of conversations with him before that World Cup in 95. You only got to play the two test matches under him, but tell us, what was it about him that was so special? You're going to laugh now, and I think the people's going to laugh. If you see Coach Christie, you don't, you say, good morning, Coach, and you start running. You don't have anything to chit-chat to him. You don't chit-chat to Kitch. You'll chit-chat afterwards. Um, but he, he had so much respect for him that you you never you never go and then like stuff around. You know, he's like he's like uh, the funniest story was uh, Tommy Lopesha. Still half hours off now is that we were training at Wanderers before that tour, and Tommy was struggling and Tommy was struggling. Tommy was struggling. and I said to Tom, I'll come jock with him, and he says. Okay, you two guys come here. And he said, Tommy Lopes, if he doesn't want to train, he can go home. And coach, he looked at the coach and says, Coach, you never under-ref, over-ref a diesel engine. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, that broke my eyes completely. 
Uh, one thing people also doesn't know, we broke uh, Keats's two ribs when we did the huggle in 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 the um, in the before the game. That it was amazing. And then Kubas and myself, we lay and we we actually uh, Francois and everyone came to try to get a hold of us because uh, Prince William and Prince um, Harry was to meet us, but they were young and things like that. And then Kitch came in and he said, I, I knew it was you two guys sitting here or lying in a, in, in a bus. And it was definitely you two guys uh, I was looking for. And uh, I'm definitely going to have a beer with you guys. And that was phenomenal from, from, from that point of view. Uh, Kitch was just special. I mean, uh, when we found out he had cancer, it was the biggest blow against I've ever had in my life. I mean, he was a superb guy. And one thing about Kitch, he loved, he used to love the, the, the forwards. He loved Kubis, myself, Bonshaw, he loved the props. Uh, he says the backs are just there the fancy boys. He was just, we must get the ball, they must run the ball. So, so Kitch was just phenomenal. I, I got the utmost respect for him, and uh, my resistance piece is a super, 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 super special guy. Indeed, a man who has a very special place in all our hearts. Talks, the game had just turned professional after that 1995 Rugby World Cup. And I know that we've heard stories about there being tension in the camp between the guys that were in the World Cup squad and then the new guys that came in. Obviously, uh, discrepancies between salaries and money and bonuses and all that kind of stuff. My understanding is that the tension was more there in 1996 rather than 1995. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, you must remember 1996, the Kerry Packer story. As he came in on board, and you know, he, uh, Francia and them obviously signed a deal uh, after the World Cup. Uh, yeah, I actually phoned my bank manager and I said, Are you sure there's not, is there enough notes behind my salary? Because it looks quite different for 1995. But uh, then the Kerry Packer story, story started, and Kerry wanted to get involved and made the whole thing again like the cricket. And then, unfortunately, or fortunately, I think that Dr. Late stepped in and said, Listen, there's no way you're getting in because you're going to take, you're going to start our rugby. And I had um, unbelievable respect for Dr. Late. And I think Dr. Late sorted it out very well. I mean, even Franchise did a buckle, they spoke about it. And at the end, it was sorted out, and then uh, uh, professional sports started. Unfortunately, at those stages, the Atlin administration's guys didn't get professional. The players got professional, as you remember. We started the Super, I think we, we started the Super 10 already in 93, but we started Super 12 in 96. And then it was still the old teams, and it wasn't the Stormers or the Bulls, or it was still the Globula, Transvaal, Vipia. Sharks or the high or whatever you call it. And then I think from then on, you can see now, 96, I remember playing against all the top sides in New Zealand. I mean, geez, it was just phenomenal to play against, again, against those World Cup Oaks from from New Zealand. It was special. So the, 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 the professional era worked for us. And you can see now, and I don't want to run ahead, but you can see now Australia and New Zealand have been missing South Africa. You know, we've been we've been tough. It has been tough for us to play in the Super Rugby, but you can see that that Australia and New Zealand is missing Super Rugby big time. Let's stay in 1996 talks. You actually missed the first half of the Test season for the Springboks. Why was that? Well, uh, you see, but this is, this is another thing. You must remember, uh, Mark Croft took over from Kitch, 
and then the debacle of Markcroft and Pina. You know, remember with the test match at Newlands. And uh, yeah, we were see Osterant was fit again. I mean, I rate Os is the best prop ever in history of the game. I think, you know, Sarko was competing with Os. So Os was obviously playing. He was 100% fit again. And then at the end of the year, uh, we toured again. So we, we, we actually were, went unbeaten again at the end of 1996. So I went on that tour. That was fantastic. So I had, a, I had an up and down tour, but a, a spring of career because of, you know, injuries, because of uh, being sending off against the, uh, the French barbarians, uh, you know, competing with very good props. Uh, a lot of new coaching staff coming in and out. I mean, you had Mark Croft, then you had Carl, then you had Nick, then you had Harry. So it was actually from 95 to 2001, it was actually scary to know how many coaches came into the fold. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, you know, you had to compete to the best. And uh, and still today, if I pick a side, Osuran's my first um, first player. He's, he was phenomenal. Osuran was in a different league. He was a freak. He was like Ruben Creator. They were freaks. And I got the utmost respect for us. And we're actually very good friends. Wonderful players, all of them. And uh, speaking of that 1996 end of year tour, as you say, you did feature there. Argentina was the first stop. Tox, I've had quite a few former Springboks on this show that have said that Argentina is the best country that they've toured. And to give you an idea, Peter Miller was on the show and he told me that the best part of Argentina is the stakes and the pretty girls. I'd like to hear what you have to say. Well, I, coming from Peter, I would have said the pretty girls first. First and then the stakes. I mean, and it's hundred percent correct. It's, uh, we both we all married, but um, yeah, you have a youngsters uh, had, a, had, a, had a fantastic time and and been in, all in Argentina, a fantastic place to tour. The people are wonderful. The meat is brilliant, and like you say, it's it's like the Sabatini's of the world. The, the girls are all very beautiful, but I mean, you can only look. You know, that's one thing about about life. It's uh, look at the menu, but eat at home. <laughs> and but uh, the youngsters enjoyed it. We, I remember one day, Andre Jube and myself were sitting uh, having a coffee, and I said, Jutsu, it's like playing tennis. It's just like your head's going, it's getting your, your neck loose because your head's just going like this. You can't believe, you know, the, the meat is what's, what's going past you. <laughs> now, that's the truth. That's the truth. Is that the, 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 the guys enjoyed Argentina? I love Argentina. It was. It was a phenomenal place. And then we toured the Western province. We beat Argentina, but afterwards, they got the most beautiful beer. Their hospitality is fantastic. That's a wonderful place to tour. And then, talks. we spoke about money earlier, and you mentioned Francois Pinot, and obviously Markov had dropped him. I'd be very interested to hear from you. What was the atmosphere like in the Springbok camp on that end-of-year tour? Yeah, it was tough. It was, you must remember, Andre Markov was, Andre Markov made it clear that him and, him and, and Pino doesn't going to get along. Um, unfortunately, uh, Francois was one of the probably best captains I played under. But uh, yeah, so it was one of those things. Francois got injured in that All Black Tour game at, at Newlands. What you also forget is that Francois, Markov also didn't pick Joel Stransky for that tour. That you guys forget, and uh, so there was a lot of guys. You know, I don't know what it was all about. Unfortunately, I wasn't part of the of the management team to talk about that. But um, 
that was you see that's a problem when you get new coaching it's 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 a coach's side who wants to be at, to have there if you remember he picked a guy like Tio Westlays in the place of Franchapina. Uh, you know, Tian Strauss has already gone to Australia, so a lot of new guys. You know, so so Macro brought a lot of these Krikos guys in, but, and that's precisely what coaches doing. They, they believe in players, and then they don't believe in players, and that's unfortunately what happened. You know, you can't you can't lie about it. You can't. Get around it. I don't know what happened between Francois and, and, and Markov. I'd love to know, but it's got actually nothing to do with me. You know, it's like precisely what Nick did to Gary Teichman, dropping him from a 99 World Cup. You know, it's, we will ever know what happened there. And then I think that is that is the biggest problem we have, is that as soon as a new coach take over, uh, things happen. Same with Jake White, what he did with John Smith. You know, look at Rassi with Sia Kulisi, you know, so it's it's, it's it's when a coach backed someone, you know, and he, he backed Gary Teichman and uh, he felt that Gary Teichman will be the next best and look what happened to Gary Teichman. So that's unfortunate what's happened in sports. Sports, it can be up, but it can be very down very quickly. And I think that's precisely what happened at the end of that year too, is that a lot of new guys, a lot of new guys were, how can I say, were... were they were brought into the Springbok fold, but you had still had a very strong side. You must remember we played beat two very good Argentina sides. We beat France twice. And at the end, we beat Wales with a record score at the old car of Park. So it was a very good tour of that. And, uh, and I must give credit to Gary because Gary was such a good captain and Mark Croft believed in him. And uh, yeah, and if you remember clearly, the Andre Best situation was hanging over Mark Croft's head. So he was, he knew about it already on a tour. And so he, he took that strain. So I think that's where, I think Gary Tashman was fantastic to, to lead from the front, to lead as a, as a leader and as a captain. And that's why I say if, still today, if, if, if Tashi was the captain A9, we would have won that World Cup, guaranteed. A lot of people share that sentiment, Talks. Um, you mentioned Andre Bester there, and I was going to ask you about that a little bit later, but since you've mentioned it, I'll, we can discuss it now. As you say, Markroff was aware of that on that tour, uh, I think, as I understand it, while you guys were in France. But as players, were you aware of anything going on at the time? No, we didn't. It's just, I was just very, I, I, you know, I'm a funny guy, and I was, uh, was always a, the, the, like a captain of the entertainment committee. So I will ask always who's playing golf, who's playing golf, and then you get you get Mark Andrews says you'll play. I says Mark, but you gotta pay twenty dollars. No, no, I'm not playing. I'm not playing. I'm not playing. So Marky was one of those folks that we all laughed at him. It's that Keith, Keith Andrews used to say to his, his uncle. He said, you know, Marcus is to play against. He just throw a few coins on the on the ground, and Mark will first pick up the coins, and then he'll jump in the lineup. No, just a joke against Mark. We all laugh at Marky. Marky was uh, he was looking after his bucks, but he's a very good oak. But talking about Andre Mar Andre Bester, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's what he's done to Mark Croft. But again, I think it's also Mark Croft promised him a seat in the in the Springbok side, you know, and then that was a problem. And uh, but unfortunately, to do things like that is, I think, is totally ruthless. It's very sad to do that, um, and uh, I think that hurt Markov a lot. Markov was on the brink of becoming a great coach. He's a great man. He's an oak of low knowledge. 
If you remember, you know, Nick Mallet actually used Mockcraft and Coral Nosex in his in his in his situation. Uh, I think that that got to him a bit on that on that tour for sure. And just speaking of Markroff, as a coach talks, you spoke to me earlier about Kitch Christie. How would you describe Andre Markroff? Markroff is you know, as you remember, and I'm going to say it straight. You got the Englishman against the Dutchman. You know, if you think about it, you know, um, Kitch was a totally Soti, and then Markroff was a totally Afrikaans boy. So he used to like you know, Andre Fenter, and he used to like me, Kubis, uh, David Tron, Afrikaans guys. But he made Taishman a captain. He, he really rated Taishman. He loved Taishman. And uh, from my point of view, I think it was fantastic, you know. So, uh, yeah, so no, no, no. Andre and myself go a long way. Andre, we, we come a long way. I mean, shoot, since probably since 90s. Beginning of the nineties, so yeah, and no, I rate Mark Croft. Mark Croft should have done very well. Unfortunately, that situation happened, and uh, it, it's unfortunate. And uh, yeah, and then you know it was supposed to be Harry Sonicus, and remember Harry Sonicus didn't even make it. And then Coral came in, shame, and Coral was thrown to with the Wolves, you know, in that ninety-seven series. So no, I I, I think Mark Croft was a very nice coach. One and one thing about Andre was his approachable oak, you know, you can talk to him, very approachable, you know, and uh, and the players also, you know, enjoyed him. And but I think it was also tough for him to, to get after Kitch Christie to come in and stay stay in the same league, so I can say, as the Kitch Christie are. Hey, if you're enjoying this video, why not consider becoming a patron? It's my dream, guys, to do this full-time, and with a small financial contribution, you can help me realize that dream. The link and the QR code is appearing on your screen right now, and I'll also put it down in the description area for you to go and click on at a later stage if you would like to do so. And by becoming a patron, I promise there will be great benefits for members. Now let's get back to the interview. So how special was it to win that test series in France? It was amazing. I and mean, then I need to just to tell you a story. I don't know, it's in every book where you can go, is that Kurbis uh, got me because we stayed in Bordeaux. And Kurbis said to me, there's two things in Bordeaux which are very important, and that's wine and lingerie. And I was newly married, and Kurbis took me to a lingerie shop, and he was, I'm a back, he told the woman in French, because he could speak French, but I'm actually a cross-dresser. And he... <laughs> yeah, you can laugh, Pete. And then he, he said to the girl, but you must buy your wife some lingerie. And then she brought out a big panty and she brought out a big bra. And I said, but that's not my wife's size. And I said, do you like the color? Do you like the style? Uh, do you, you, you know, do you... And I said, coach, it's perfect. And then after that, I, I smelled some... I smell a rat. And I saw this girl was... Smiling, and I knew something is not right here. And then I realized Kubis was pulling a big prank on myself. <laughs> that is hilarious. Uh, Tooks, um, you mentioned earlier, you know, uh, the the injuries and a different coach comes in, and then he has a his own idea of who the players are that he would prefer. And between 1996 and 2001, you were out of the picture as far as the Springboks are concerned. Did you feel during that period that your Bok career was over? Yeah, you, you, but I mean, um, Nick Nick still picked me for end of year 297. Uh, Nick, Nick and myself, very good mates. He still picked me for the 98. 
in a year two, and you know, remember '98, we should have we should have picked a better side to win that 18 in a row. And Nick picked the, and Nick he says himself he picked a lot of injured guys, and he thought he was going to pull him through. So yeah, so in 1999 I broke my hand, so I was out. I had a lot of injuries, and then in 2000 I was with Harry. So I I, I could have had a much better Springbok career. But unfortunately, it didn't happen. There was players who was playing brilliantly. Oli, uh, uh, Osdurant, you know, those guys. Darby was playing well. So they had opportunity. And Darby could play Lucet and Titan. So, yeah, as I wish, you know, I played 18 games, I think, as, as, as a Springbok. Seven tests and the rest was military games. But, yeah, that's that's a card you would, would dealt. And uh, unfortunately, I, I didn't play as much as I would have. Luck, luck. To have played, I mean, if you see the guys now, how many test matches they play, it's fantastic to be a Springbok. I will always be in my heart a, a green uh, blood Springbok. I mean, I love the Springboks. It's, it's 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 really for me. I get so upset when people, you know, stop start talking so negative about our side. And so yeah, I'm uh, unfortunately I didn't play as much as I wanted to. Yeah, I still play a lot of games with Stormers and and and, and Western Province. And uh, yeah, I've, my rugby career has been good to me. I opened a lot of doors. It, uh, yeah, it's, I think now people recognize me more from television than uh, as a rugby player, but that's also fine. I mean, but rugby, shoot, you've made so many friends. I mean, it's unbelievable how many outs you know overseas, locally. And as soon as you see a rugby player, you connect like that. Now, that's wonderful. Talks, I have to ask you, because obviously the game had turned professional, and we did uh, touch on that a little bit earlier, but between 1996 when you were in the Springbok team, and as you said, you were on that 1997 end of your tour, and then back in the test side in 2001, how much different were things uh, when you compare it to sort of four years earlier? Pete, you're going to laugh. With Harry, because Harry is such a Complete dresser, you know. We had we, when we got rock ports and we got the right shirts and we got trousers and jackets and we got. So if you want to talk about amateur against professional, that's the answer. Is that the dress code complete change? You had this unbelievable step outs, your shoes and everything was. was, was oh, how can I say was was the fashion? So half of the oaks don't even know where the rock port shoe is. Some of us don't even know what dries up our jackets. He said, half of us don't even know what, the, what uh, you know, Cartier is or what I, you know, I'm making just a few uh, brands, but that's what the one thing Harry brought in. Harry was miles ahead of himself. Harry was amazing. In 97, when we won our uh, Curry Cup against Free State, Harry Fulhoun coached us. He was miles ahead of any other coach. Unfortunately, when he got into 2000-2001, he thought he could control. Unfortunately, you can't control as from a coach. It's 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 people interfering. Harry, I still say today, was probably one of the coaches. Who, uh, I mean, we were we were playing, and I'm going to give you the stat precisely. We were playing North Transvaal '97 as a province side, and we passed the ball in the whole game 1,845 times. And that's where Harry was. Harry was, he believed, and you can also recall, Peter, you know your, your stuff. While he was an, first out to say, Venus Aries, we're not allowed to kick. And I remember France, Brom, Brom was throughout and kicked at the last minute. They won a test match, 37 34. So that was one of the, that was Harry. 
So Harry was just one of those oaks who he wanted to make the box look neat. He was ahead of a, ahead of a game. He loved absolutely guys to be super fit, and skill level was was everything to him. He liked score to, to score tries from anywhere, and and make make the, the ends meet of of, of 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 a game. And that's and that was Harry. And uh, unfortunately, you know, it was tough at this stage. But Harry will go down also as a very good coach. I rate him. I rate him highly. Um, uh, he coached me everywhere. But unfortunately, things didn't work out for him. And uh, uh, that's, that's a scenario. It's, it's actually very sad that we had to use so many coaches in, in so, such an, a little, I mean, seven years. That was, we couldn't get consistency. And I think after that with Jake and Peter Villiers, we've, we've got consistency now with Rassi. And Jock, I mean, wow, what a what an unbelievable combination they've been. Uh, talks, I think it's fair to say many kids in South Africa grow up dreaming of becoming a Springbok. But many of those kids also think that if they do become a Springbok, they're going to play 50 tests or 100 test matches. You only played seven test matches. What would your advice be to those kids? They must keep on dreaming. They must never stop believing in themselves. You must remember... Unfortunately, and I always say that to my wife and a lot of people, if, if I ask you now, who came second in the 100 meter sprint in the Olympics in 2004, no one can tell you, but you can know who was a winner. So it's always, everyone can't be a winner, but everyone is a winner. And that's, I hope you understand what I'm saying, is that very important for for guys who never stop dreaming, no, never stop believing in themselves. And that's one thing about me. I know, I knew, and uh, it, it's going to be tough to play 50 test matches behind a guy like Oli, Os, those type of guys. You know, they were they were brilliant players. Seven is great. If you play one test match, you are great. Uh, everyone is winners. I mean, if you play a hundred test matches, or you play one or five test matches, you are a springbok, and you, you wear your springbok blazer and your number ones with pride. And I think that's what the youngsters must understand. Everyone can't play hundred test matches. Look at Valila Rui. He's now only the, I think, the third highest backline player after Abana and John Avilius. Ninety test matches. The great US one of the best played 89 test matches. The great Osduran played 80 test matches. The great Fructa Priya played 24 test matches. The great Dani Gerber played 24 test matches. So if you go and look back at, 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 at the history of Swim of Rugby, people will say, yeah, shucks. We got now, who we got? We got uh, Peace, we got Abana, we got the Villiers, we got Persim Montgomery and the Villiers and Victor Batfield. As uh, Oku Centenary and John Smith. So that is, that is, that is, that is not so easy to play in test matches. And I was so happy for Villa Rui because I think Villa Rui is one of the greatest players we've ever had. And him playing his 90th test is fantastic. So yeah, I'm happy. Unfortunately, I couldn't play more. Um, but one thing about what I liked, I liked the tours. Um, some tours I stayed long, some tours I went, I was sent home early. <laughs> But uh, I enjoyed playing in that midweek games. It was great. I remember, you know, you're playing the French Barbarians, you're playing the students, you're playing Island A, you're playing 
there were so many unbelievable times, you know, and we, we toured the whole world. And I think today that's what the Springboks are is missing the most because they are playing only test matches. They're not playing with mystery games. And that's a, that's where you make friends. That's where you really make friends. Yeah. Tux, who was your toughest opponent? You won't believe it. As uh, uh, a guy, I've never Dougie Heymans. Who played for for Free State? I mean, it's probably unluckiest guy who never made Springbok. Um, he coached all of us, me, Oli, Davitron, us, and unfortunately he passed away two years ago due to COVID. But Dougie Amos by far the best technique I've ever played against. Uh, obviously, we struggled both of me and us struggled against us. Olo Brown because although although those days could put his hand on the ground, but when he was Suppose not to do it anymore, he struggled. But internationally and, and nationally, Dougie Amos was the best scrummager I ever played against. He was just so difficult. Afterwards, you have a scarf on your, on your neck because you knew you had a game and a half against him. He was just a phenomenal scrummer. Yeah. Is there a player currently that you admire? Sure, that's a difficult question. I have... Uh, well, one thing one I admire is honestly is Oklaxia Kulisi. First of all, and I tell you what, honestly, for him to have come back after that serious knee injury, I mean, I've spoken to doctors, I've spoken to physios, but for them it's a miracle. I mean, but I mean, as a leader, he plays. But my my guy in the box side, if I don't play him, even it's a bit, it's a freak. Even it's a bit. I know him from young days. He grew up in front of us. We, I love Eben Exhibit. I mean, there's not even a question. I think he's probably the epitome of of a player who is in a different league, above the rest, miles. Not even closely, but miles. He is, and he just gives everything 100% when he goes on the field and he... He believes in that green and gold. I mean, he's, if you think he's only 50 and he's played 150 test matches, it's, it's actually crazy if you think about it. It really is incredible. Tox, you mentioned a little bit earlier that a lot of people know you from TV. Talks and Chops is the show, I believe. Um, what else are you up to these days? Yeah, still commentating on for Supersport. Um, we're looking at starting a new uh, TV show. I've left Talks and Chops in the last year. Uh, I've taken a bit of a sabbatical this year on television, but still commentating for Supersport and Afrikaans. Uh, definitely looking at starting my own uh, consulting company called uh, Talks Promotions. So I might, Peter, I might uh, tap into you because I, I think you know precisely how things work. And then, yeah, and then it's my great to, 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 it was actually very sad for me to commentate on the islands and Africa game because that was. So Africa was when they won everything except the game, and that was unfortunate. And uh, yeah, so I'm loving commentary. Um, that is one of my things I absolutely adore. And uh, yeah, it's it's so. Uh, I think a, new, a lot of new doors will open. Um, it's like I told you, it's, it's very tough in the economy now in South Africa. Not not easy. Uh, you gotta you gotta focus on what you want to do. You got to pinpoint that down. You got to pinpoint it down. What is your future? What is your? What do you want to do? You know, I'm turning 54. I've I've done basically everything I could. Uh, yeah. So it's one of those one of those things I really will it's like a treasure going forward, and see where you can add value 
especially the young players, you know, especially to tell these young players because what worries me is that rugby has become it's still the first number one sport in South Africa, but a lot of guys are playing hockey now, a lot of guys are playing soccer. You know, we need to get the the, the development of rugby back to its best. And that is that's precisely what I wanted to do going forward, yeah. Sounds good to me. Talks, let's take a look at that trivia question again quickly. In 2004, Nike was replaced as the Springboks jersey manufacturer. Who was the team's new kit supplier? Do you know the answer, Tox? Uh, it wasn't Adidas, eh? What is Adidas? Okay, Tox, the correct answer is, in fact, Canterbury. Oh! Jeepers, really? Those, uh, it's it, it, apparently, officially, according to them, it's three Kiwis that appear as their logo, but it looks like three C's. But yeah, Canterbury was the kit supplier uh, for, I think, more than a decade, actually. Yeah. Oh, all right. So I didn't know that. But of course, today, Nike is back as the kit supplier. And uh, I think a lot of people are happy about that. Very happy about that. I mean, the kit looks, look at you. The kit looks fantastic on everyone. You're very kind. <laughs> Talks, let me say, it was lovely having you on Front Row Rugby today. An absolute pleasure. So nice to listen to those old stories from the past. And it's always a pleasure to talk to a Springbok. Thank you for your time. And I hope that we can have you on Front Row Rugby again in the future. Billy, you can call me anytime. Just remember, if you get caught going to buy your wife some lingerie, be very careful. <laughs>